All right. Zay, how you doing, my man? What up, Chip? Two more I days. Mean, brother. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice, and we're happy everyone's spending some time with us right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered on a off-the-rails Thursday. Um, you know, Zay, we, we, uh, we're going to get to Steve Sarkeesian. He talked to the media today, um, some little interesting nuggets. Uh, and we're going to talk to our man Lance Taylor at 1.30, our SEC insider from Next Round Live. He's in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Lance'slock.com. He makes picks and does all kinds of stuff. Um, and we're going to – but I, I got I to open the show today because I'm sad. I'm sad today. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a football junkie. I'm a college football junkie. Love the NFL too. Um, and like a true treasure, a football treasure uh, died today. Gil Brandt, who was the, he was the architect of America's team. We can talk about, you know, Tom Landry. We can talk about Tex Schramm. We can talk about, um, you know, a lot of players, but Gil Brandt is the one who found those players. He was, I call him a football oracle. And it's because, like, the reason we have the NFL Combine today is because of Gil Brandt. And Gil was meticulous and methodical, and he found talent where, um, you know, where no one else was looking like the historically black colleges. I mean, he went and, and found Bob Hayes at Florida A&M and he found Everson Walls at Grambling. And, um, you know, he's the one who who picked Roger Staubach in the 10th round in 1964, knowing that he had to go serve a two year commitment in the Navy. Uh, before he could ever play pro football. But what a genius move because Roger Staubach um, is arguably the greatest quarterback in Cowboys history. And, and Zay, I'm just going to tell you this story because I'll never forget it. I mean, I talked to Gil. I've known him for 25 years. I talked to him every year. He would come down for pro day. And in 2004, he – comes up to me at pro day. And this is the year that Roy Williams is <clears throat> in the draft. Um, Marcus Tubbs, Nathan Vasher, uh, Sloan Thomas. And he says, you know, which of these longhorns is going to have the longest NFL career. And I, I, you know, just trying to think on my feet. I'm like, Nathan Vasher. Cause you know, he's a special teams guy. Maybe he could extend his career. And he says, Cullen Leffler. And I knew Cullen Leffler was the long snapper, but Gil Brandt really knew that Cullen Leffler was the long snapper. He said, this dude can get that ball back. He whistles it back there. And I haven't seen a snap time like this in, in years. 
And Zay, Cullen Leffler, 11 years in the NFL, he was right. Of course he was right. Right. I mean, it was unbelievable. The guy just, he was a savant. He was an oracle, mastermind. Um, you know, thank God Jerry Jones finally put him in the, in the hall of, you know, the ring of honor for the Cowboys. Um, cause Gil Brandt is, I mean, he is synonymous with the NFL and just such a great guy. I mean, I, I, I started, you know, when I covered the Cowboys 23 years ago, I started jokingly, but not saying, Hey, let me write your book. You know, he had a house in Montana and I, I said, let's just go to your house in Montana. Just give me a few days. I'll bring my recorder and we'll just, you, you tell me all the stories, all the stories about how you found, you know, Hollywood Henderson and Ed Tuttle Jones and Tony, you know, obviously everyone knew who Tony Dorsett was, but just all the stories that, that he put together for the Cowboys, you know, putting those rosters together and he would laugh. He would laugh, but I saw him again five years ago, Big 12 Media Days, and I'm like, Gil, because I knew he was getting up there. I mean, I, he was 86 at the time. I was like, Gil, have you sat down with anyone to do your book? And he's like, nah. And I'm like, Gil, <laughs> we got to do this, man. You can't, you can't deprive everyone of these stories. And I'm, I'm sad today because I, I worry that, you know, I, I don't see any books on Amazon, you know, the Gil Brandt story or uh, Gil Brandt's recollections. And that just for Cowboys fans, he is the encyclopedia of, I mean, he started in 1960 when the Cowboys started and he, he was there until Jerry Jones, um, you know, bought the team and it just, uh, the guy is amazing and, and so generous with his time. He would come on the radio and, um, so I'm, I'm sad today because Gil Brandt was, man, he was a force. He, I mean, the NFL combine now it's a, an event that is televised over five days. It used to be one day. Now it's this spectacle and that was all Gil. Um, he used to preside over it. And so it's just, uh, it, it's uh it's a tough day, man. It's a tough day for, uh, for Cowboys fans, for those who remember what it was like when the Cowboys were dominant. I mean, when they were in the NFC championship game every year and um, you know, the catch when, you know, everyone remembers that the 49ers and Dwight Clark uh, beating the Cowboys in the NFC championship game. But how about when the Cowboys were beating the Rams and going on and winning Super Bowls, beating the Denver Broncos and, 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 uh, and just dominant in the, in the late seventies. So uh, early seventies, late seventies, um, all through the seventies. So um, I just, I just needed to, to share that, you know, share that uh, yeah. with the listeners. Cause that was, that's a tough one. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely a tough one, not only for the Dallas Cowboys, but for the whole National Football League. And you talk about a pioneer. Look, you got to remember that era in, what, 60s and 70s and stuff. A lot of guys and a lot of these GMs and executives, they weren't going to HBCUs. They weren't, you know, they weren't taking that risk because they thought it was a risk. And Gil Branch, you hear the saying, hey, if you're good enough, it don't matter where you play, they'll find you. That started with guys like Gil. And the fact that he was one of the first ones to say, hey, we got to start doing analytics through a computer. Like, we could make it to where it makes sense. And these old ways, like, he was ahead of his time. And you talk about the NFL Combine, one of my favorite events of the year, just seeing all of those guys with NFL aspirations coming out of college. Like, yeah, you're the man in college, but everybody's the man going into the National Football League. And Gil was a huge part of that. So, yeah, man, Ed Tutal Jones and, you know, Bob Hayes, like those, those are some serious HBCUs, man. <laughs> and from a guy who's graduated from an HBCU in Houston Tillerson here in the ATL, like I admire that because you always get that just afterthought like oh HBCUs they don't mean nothing nah, the hell they don't they very well do and Gil Branch said look I'm gonna go where other guys aren't and even if you aren't a football player like he was finding guys that hooped he was finding guys that just ran track and he said yo come play football like you I see what you could do out here what you could do can work on the football field and you can make some serious money. So yeah, man, like Drew Pearson and guys like that, just Cowboys legends. And, you know, 91, he had a long fulfilling life and he changed a lot of lives in doing that. And, you know, probably the only wrong decision that he had was not allowing you to write the book, Chip. Like that, was probably, his, that was probably his worst decision, you know, right. straight yeah. up. It's not even about like, me being able to, you know, be the author of the book, just someone like, I want to read that book. I want to read that book because, you know, when you're, when you're the guy who's creating the mold and you're the guy who's, you know, creating the rosters that are winning Super Bowls, and you're the one who's like, Hey, we need to draft Roger Staubach here in the 10th round. Cause you know, he's, draft eligible and he's going to be serving his naval commitment. But in two years, that dude's a pretty good quarterback. We need to, we need to take him here. Okay. And, and then it bears the kind of, I mean, Roger Staubach's in the pro football hall of fame. And it's, it's just um, like no one else thought to, to draft Staubach before that. And um, you know, Gil, just the, the thought process and all the stuff that, he was so trusted. He, he just, everything he said, you could take to the bank. And I, I just wanted to read that book and whether it was me writing it or someone else, but man, I, I just, uh, he was, he was a treasure, absolute treasure. And, uh, and so, man, it's, uh, yeah. It's a tough one. <laughs> And shame on Jerry Jones. I know he's in the ring of honor now, and I know Jerry's the one that let him loose when he took over, but it took too long to put him in the ring of honor. Like 2018, that's way too long. When the guy's like 86 years old, come on, Jerry. Like, I know you're a petty son of a bee, but like, come on, man. That's just, that's a damn shame. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was, I was at the, uh, 
me and uh, Mike Harge and Shannon Sweeney were at that Cowboys game, um, Cowboys Saints, and you know got to talk to Gil that that night when he was honored at halftime and went into the 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 ring of honor and just remembered saying this is so long overdue. And all Gil said was, Hey, I'm just glad I'm here to see it. And just so humble and grateful. And, but yeah, I mean, my gosh, he, he should have been, he should have been a first ballot pro football hall of famer, a first opportunity ring of honor guy for the Cowboys because that guy just didn't seem to make mistakes. And you look at the draft, it's an inexact science, but man, he was getting it right so much more than he was getting it wrong. And the proof is in those, those Lombardi trophies that are sitting in, in, in Frisco at the Cowboys headquarters right right now. So um, how about this? (laughs) We've got, uh, we got uh, Nate. Nate, haven't got a, a chance to catch you two till now. Happy to hear you. Well, Nate, man, welcome in. Tell your welcome friends. Welcome in, Nate. We're Absolutely. Just, uh, the team's getting better, too. You mentioned my guy who just got on Texas Sports Unfiltered from 11 to 12 starting Monday. Mike Harge will be joining the team, hanging with Harge. You can catch our dude, man. Like, that's that's my guy. I know Harge means a special uh, – has a special place in your hardship, and he does for me, too. So the fact that he's with us at Texas Sports Unfiltered on an already big-time team, like I said it the other day on Twitter, I feel like I'm on the 90 two dream team and i might be you know christian leitner on the squad but at least i'm on the team (laughs) (laughs) you're 10 and 5 baby you're 10 and 5 man loud hey loud you were hardened by by cc you know we need that oh yeah yeah i'll take a charge man i'll take a charge i'll dive on the floor like that's that's the type of guy i am man Hey. But then I'll knock down the big three every once in a while, Robert Ory style. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I uh, I love it. Um, JSDTX, I'm so excited about what you are doing with TSU. We are too, man. We're just getting started. This is, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because we're reconditioning the listener. Um, it's everyone's like, man, we can't hear you on the. Ra-. Yeah, you can. You can hear us on the radio. All you got to do is download the app. Um, and connect a usb cord to your phone in your car and you'll hear us better than you've ever heard any radio station in austin so um it's just that simple all you got to do is download the app hit play and uh and yeah and and this is my man cb aren't aren't you the one who gave harge the hardball harge nickname yes yes he had this uh he had this crazy uh email it was like fat sacks underscore, <laughs> I don't know, some tr- crazy Twitter handle. I said, dude, just why aren't you hardball harch? And boom, now it's his Facebook and, and everything. Um, Harge is a dude is a star. And, uh, you know, my God, he's Central Texas through and through. Colleen. Um, K-Town. K-Town. Played football in high school was recruited by Nebraska and Texas for football and then baseball, Texas, and he went pro. 
second round pick of the Montreal Expos and, and uh, the rest is history, but just uh, the guy knows everybody. I don't know how he does everything he does in a day. Cause he's still, well, he doing got some connections. Oh, he's the plug, yeah. man. I mean, he is, <laughs> he is the plug and yeah. So fired up about that fired up hanging with Harge. Um, and, uh, and then Grant, how about this Grant? Man, good to good to have you uh, listening to the show, and thanks for helping take care of my house with uh, pest control back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Um, there we go. I love you it. Had rats? You had rats, Chip? Well, pest pest control. <laughs> okay. Did you say I had rats? No, I mean, I'm just asking. When I hear pest control, I'm sure there's more that they do than just pests, like you know, rats. Flying cockroaches. Yo, I killed a cockroach the other night, man. That thing was vicious. It was hissing at me and stuff. I, Grant, I might have to give you a call, buddy, because I don't play them games, man. Oh, yeah. At all. That oh, thing yeah. was about three inches. That was a thick one. So, yeah, man. Shout out to Grant. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Grant. Um, yeah, and CB, didn't Mac used to bring in Gil Brand every year at Texas? Yeah, he did. Uh, Gil would come in and advise the guys about how to make sure that they didn't do anything while they were in college to, to screw up their chances of playing pro ball. And, um, and, you know, Mac had great relationships with, with Gil and, and, uh, and all that. And so, yeah, Mac, Mac knew where to go. He knew who knew, he knew who to rely on. Um, yeah. It's uh, yeah, and this one comes in. What a lead in from Train BK. Hey, you never know what you're gonna get from uh, from Trey <laughs> and no, BK. Not at all. Trey. Trey's yeah. our man. Trey is uh, he's an outside the boxer. You know what I mean? He's a character to say the least. Character to say the least. I think we're. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to jinx it, but I think we're doing like some photos or something on on Sunday. This'll, this'll be fun. Um, as we polish up our, our, uh, appearance here on, uh, Texas sports unfiltered. Um, so Zay, I mean, we are two days away, my friend, from the start of the Texas Longhorns season. I mean, are we starting the tailgate right now? I mean, I know we're starting the hydration. That's what yeah. we're doing. If we're going to be down there on Bevo Boulevard at DKR, like you better start, you know, Pedialyte, Gatorade, all the stuff, you know, anything that you could get, you better start hydrating right now. And yeah, you're kind of getting into that flow of tailgating and you're starting to, you know, you're starting to get a little nervous if you're a Texas fan, because even though you should handle rice, you know what's at stake the next week and you know all the anticipation and, you know, everybody just giving you all this hype. Everybody feels it and everybody knows what the season can be. So yeah, it's, it's even though it might be a little nervous for some people, it's very exciting because because, again, Texas hasn't been in this spot in a very long time with so much at stake, you know, so much just on the line. They haven't had that. 
And I think it's healthy because Texas should always be that. You know, you should, you should always have those expectations of winning and winning Big 12 titles and going to the college football playoff, putting yourself in position to win national championships. And this squad, I think, has all the tools to do that. We just got to see it on the field. Yeah, yeah. Steve Sarkeesian today was talking about um, – you know, what uh, kind of his final address to the media uh, before before game day. And um, he was talking about the, uh, you know, the fact that there are going to be a lot of young guys on the field. C.J. Baxter, Malik Muhammad, Derek Williams, uh, Jonte Cook, Leonga LaFau, um, you know, uh, DeAndre Moore. He said they're all going to be on the field probably earlier, sooner than later. So some of them special teams, some of them offense and defense, but um, we're going to get a chance to see some of these guys we've been been hearing about and I've been writing about, but relying on sources to, to tell me what's, what's going on. Now we, we all get to see it with our own eyeballs. And that's, that's, uh, that's going to be fun because this is a, this is a big time, um, 2023 recruiting class full of full of talent um, and I want to see him man I want to see him in action yeah and I think this is a good first test even though Rice is Rice and Texas is Texas Rice still has a very veteran very very veteran quarterback in JT Daniels so going up against a guy like him even though they might not have all the weapons all around for the Owls JT Daniels he's at least experienced enough to you know really test the horns a little bit and I think this is a good test to prep for Alabama when you go to Tuscaloosa because like Sark said all these freshmen, they got to experience it now. They got to get out there. They got to get their feet wet. There's a lot of opportunity for a lot of guys. Not everybody's going to stay healthy. I mean, in the magic land, we would love that, but this ain't a magic land. This is real effing life. And then the and college football, NFL, all of football, it's very, very rare when a team everybody stays healthy, especially at key positions. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity for guys and they got to make the most of it. Yeah. I mean, JSDTX, this is the, as our man trailing likes to say, UTSD, I call it the battered fan syndrome. Everybody's reaching for the Tums. No one wants to fully embrace what this team could be uh, for fear of getting their heart broken again. Um, but you know, this is, this is, I, I, I applaud Steve Sarkeesian for putting it out there. I mean, he, he said, we're, we're going for the championship. I like my team. I like our depth. I like our talent. He's been very upfront about it all off season. And as my man, Sean Adams used to say, you get what you demand. You don't get what you deserve. You don't, you don't, you know, get what you need. You get what you demand. And I applaud Steve Sarkeesian for putting it out there that, hey, this is the last year of the Big 12. We want to win this thing. And and he feels like he's got the team to do it. So let's let's see how he does it. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. Roger Wallace asked him right at the end of the little press conference today that when Sark walks the field by himself before the game, 
what's what's he thinking about there? And Sark said, yeah, I usually have, you know, some music in and and I'm thinking about the moment. You know, I don't he said we work really, really hard. We put a lot of work in as coaches, as players. And I tell the players all the time, don't you know, take in the moment enjoy it, soak it up, soak up all the little things when you're running out onto that field and enjoy this atmosphere. Um, and then when it's time to, you know, for the whistle to blow, let's, let's get down to business, but man, enjoy the ride. And he said, I, I like to be loose, but I know that when that whistle blows, man, I, I gotta be laser focused. And, and he does, he does. And, and that's a, that's a big thing. You know, I don't know if he needs, you know, I see Joe Rogan talking about the, uh, the, I don't know, some kind of brain pills he takes like to, to keep them all focused or whatever. I don't know what it takes to, to get rid of that brain fog. What do you do, Zay? You, you do anything to um, open your mind? Kind of like a meditation, just some, deep breathing and Wusan and, you know, just kind of getting in the zone that way, which I recommend for Steve Sarkeesian because we remember in the Alamo Bowl, him going off on that Alamo Dome worker who was just trying to get everybody lined up and he told the dude, don't ever touch me, this, this, that, just completely went off on the dude. So Sark, like, I get it. You got to have a certain intensity, but also you got to be, you know, a little bit, calm down, relax, man. And, and I get embracing the moment because I, there was a point in time where Sark didn't do that. And I think he took things for granted back at USC and Washington. We know the baggage that he has. And now him getting the opportunity to be the head coach at the University of Texas with everything he's gone through, he's not going to take it for granted anymore. He understands that not too many people get those types of second chances. So he has to really embrace it and really relish it. And if the guys, if the team sees that, if the assistant coaches, if they see that, that your coach could be confident and calm and can handle the pressure because there have been moments that we haven't seen that. And it's definitely going to be very crucial this year that he does that, then everybody's going to follow suit. And I like hearing that from Sark, like, cause you're that rolls off on your players when they see you at ease and not nervous and going crazy. Like you did before the Washington game, they're going to be at ease. They're still going to be intense. You still gotta, you know, that's what the assistant coaches have to come through for. And I'm sure Sark has his very good pregame speeches and stuff where he gets hype. Every coach does every good coach does at least, but they also have to see you at ease where they're, a kind of a quiet confidence, like, okay, coach is ready to go. We're ready to go. Everything that we prepped for in the off season, leading up to this game, the scouting report, all that's on point. Now we're on the field. Once the ball kicks off, let's go handle business. And that's what it's all about. And once this team figures that out, obviously sooner than later, then you're going to see the best of this team. Yeah. 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 This is, uh, you know, he, he, he talked about, um, the uh the backfield touches and he he said you know he was asked what we see on saturday is that how the backfield touches are going to go and he said you know what it's probably a better question for me on monday like 
he said there are going to be some guys who play better than they practice. And there are probably going to be some guys who don't play as well as they practice. And he said, I got to get a feel for all that. I got to see it and watch the film and, and I'll have a better answer for you on Monday, which I thought was, that's just keeping it real, you know? Yeah. Um, he talked about the, uh, um, you know, the play, the, he said that was part of the play calling challenge too. He, he said, he said, you know, we don't know what rice has been working on for eight months. We have an idea. He said, so offensively, we're going to run the stuff that we do best that we feel most confident in no matter what they're running and then we'll adjust. So, um, you know, obviously we got the new rule. The, the, uh, the clock is not going to stop on a first down. It's going to run. And, and that, you know, Joe D Camillus is going to help him with the, uh, with the game management stuff. So we'll see how that goes. I've got like a checklist of things that, you know, I'm kind of watching on Saturday uh, and we'll rewatch um, as we get ready, obviously next week for uh, the Longhorns trip to Tuscaloosa. So it's uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I mean, we're going to pick up, I know people are like rice, uh, but we're going to pick up some stuff, you know, based just what Texas is all about in this game starting at two 30 on Saturday. So, um, you know, it's, it's here, it's here. Let's do this. Yeah. And just like we talked about yesterday, I don't expect Nick Saban to show his hand at all against middle Tennessee for this coaching staff for Texas when it comes to a scouting report. So don't be surprised if you see Jalen Milrow for a little bit, Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner, all three of those dudes get some run because at the end of the day, they have so many weapons. Middle Tennessee, just like Rice and Texas, that should not be a problem for the Crimson Tide. And for Sark and them, I don't expect them to show much. That's why you might see a lot of guys that we might not see the weekend uh, following in Tuscaloosa. Like, it just is what it is. Both coaches, and Saban knows Nick. All those guys do. Jeff Banks, Bo Davis, they know Nick Saban. They know how he gets down. They know how he operates. So he, they know he's probably not going to show nothing because they know the big game coming the following week. And to what Sark said about some guys play better in practice, some guys play better in games. Chip, I was a horrible practice player, especially with CeCe, because all he did was – Bad, 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 bad. He would stop the play every other possession, and I couldn't stand it, and it would drive me nuts. And, of course, since I'm a coach's son, he was always yelling at me. I love working on my game. I love training and stuff. But when it came to practice, I hated it. But when the game time came, I was locked in. I was ready to go. you got the crowd. You're playing against opponents. You don't like playing against your homies all the time. That could, get, that could be a little bit much especially when you're competing for spots. So these guys going against each other, all camp and stuff, like they're ready to hit somebody else. And you've been hearing, you know, things about Ryan Watts. He might not have had the best camp like others thought he would have. And Malik Muhammad was really pushing them a bit. Watch Ryan Watts these next few games. Like he is a gamer. He is ready for the game. And some guys are just like that. So, yeah, at the end of the day, we're going to see, especially with these freshmen coming in, as good as the freshman class is, we're going to see who's ready and who's not. Yeah. No, it's uh, 
It's for real. Um, and we're also going to talk right now, bringing our uh, SEC insider and prognosticator, the one and only rock star, the Lance Taylor on social media, nextroundlive.com, lanceslock.com, the one and only Lance Taylor. LT, what's going on, man? Yep, it's been uh, too long. I know I'm going to get a lot of you over the next, uh, I don't know, eight, nine, ten days with the Longhorns rolling into Tuscaloosa, but everything's good, man. I am super excited about week one kicking off tonight. We've got a marquee matchup tonight with Florida heading to Salt Lake City to take on Utah, and it ends on, uh, you know, Sunday night, great matchup with Florida State and LSU, and then Monday night, not a bad matchup with uh, Clemson going to Duke. Yeah, I mean, uh, and say hi to Zay. Zay Collier, Chippin' Zay. Zay, what What's up, man? Lance? What's um, up, Lance? You, you looking clean, man. You in the whip I, and stuff. You rolling. I am. Hey, look, and I won't be in the whip normally. Uh, this is one of those things we got to go do a TV hit on ABC, a little uh, SEC preview. And uh, so I'll try to be safe here. Um, but I just wanted to make sure I jumped on with you guys. So we'll be good. We'll be good. Well, I tuned in and I love, uh, you know, checking in on you guys at nextroundlive.com and, and kudos because uh, everybody remembers you from Jocks Radio in Birmingham and y'all have done your own thing and you're absolutely killing it. I was at SEC Media Days and they're bringing in, y'all had your own conference room at the SEC Media Hotel and, you know, Nick Saban's on your show last week. And before we get to all the games and stuff, Lance, obviously Texas fans are, you know, they got one eye on Rice, but they got one eye on the Longhorns to see what they look like getting ready to go to Tuscaloosa next week. What did you make of Nick Saban this week? I mean, obviously I see a scrawl across ESPN. Nick Saban hasn't released a depth chart, game one depth chart for the first time in 17 years. He's not saying who his quarterback is. What, uh, what, what did you make of all that, and who do you think is going to be the quarterback? Uh, I think the quarterback quarterback one, at least coming out, is going to be Jalen Milrow against Middle Tennessee State. He's got a little bit of experience. Uh, you saw him come in when um, Bryce Young went down against Arkansas, made some big plays there, plays the entire game against Texas A&M. Didn't look great, but they found a way to win that game. You know, ball security has been the one knock on Jalen Milrow. And I think the coaches have been torn on this. You know, there's a reason that Tyler Buckner transferred in to play with his former offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. You know, when that went down months ago, we just assumed that Tyler Buckner was probably the guy. There's no other reason you would bring him in. But when live bullets are flying in these scrimmages, it seems like the biggest playmaker is Jalen Milrow. Uh, you know, Ty Simpson is another guy that's going to be in the mix. But Dylan Longeren, he's the true freshman. Um, a lot of people say he has actually looked the best in practice. I just don't think they want to go to that uh, of an inexperienced quarterback this early, especially when you got such a difficult game against Texas Longhorns coming up on the ninth. Yeah, Lance Taylor and Lance Lance'slock.com, right? Lance'slock.com. Hey, coming off a two and zero last night, Chip. 
eight and two over the weekend. Pulled all the numbers from this past year. I got an analytical guy. Uh, 57% in college football last year, 58% in the NFL. We've slayed it. We're going into year nine. We've only had one losing year and uh, the 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 entire nine years on Lance's like.com. So jump on board. We've got daily packages, weekly packages, monthly packages, annual packages. But jump on for football season. Lance's log.com, free winner tonight with Central Florida. Laying the big number, the 35 and a half tonight. But we've got uh, Central Florida, the Knights, and we've got two other plays tonight. We've got one on the side of the uh, Nebraska-Minnesota game. We've got one on the side of the NC State-UConn game. We're going to win for you. Lance's log.com. I love it. I love it. My man, I remember when you launched that nine years ago. Look at you. Yeah, it's it's know. going well, man. We just, our company actually just bought it. Uh, you know, we, we started the, uh, the, the different multi-level media platform, which is now Disrupt Media that's got the next round on it. And we just launched three other YouTube channels and we just purchased uh, Lance's Lock. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting football season. Man, that is awesome. I don't know when you sleep, dude, but... Uh... <laughs> Well, I want to get into this, uh, and, and, you know, obviously this Florida-Utah game, everybody's, uh, and we'll, we'll get to that. I guess people need to go to the website to get the free pick on the, on the Central Florida-Kent State game. Um, but Florida-Utah tonight, 7 o'clock, uh, ESPN, um, you know, Utah, no cam rising, um, Florida, Everybody's wondering what the hell's going on with Florida. No, no, Anthony Richardson, you know, uh, you bring in the uh, Graham in, bring in Graham Mertz from uh, from Wisconsin. Um, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, you know, it was one of those games I was going to post. If Cam Rising was playing, I mean, people forget Utah is one of these teams that has won back-to-back Pac-12 championships with defense, but they still were a top-20 offense last year. You know, they were averaging in the 30s, and a lot of that was Cam Rising. I mean, he was a dynamic quarterback. We remember the regular season meeting at Salt Lake City against USC. I mean, he balled out. Um, But, you know, they're so good up front. The problem against Florida – not only was it one of the worst decisions I've ever seen Cam Rising make on that second down and goal throw that ultimately got picked off and ended the game, but they couldn't stop the run. Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne, those guys went for 268 on the ground. Kyle Whittingham said this week they missed 29 tackles in that game. Uh, you can't beat a team that's physical like Florida. If you can't make tackles, this is an elevation game. Bryson Barnes, the walk-on, will start. He's a guy that's got experience. We saw him in the Rose Bowl last year against Penn State. The numbers dropped from nine to four and a half. I still expect Utah to win the game, and I don't feel great about it because one of the unknowns for me is Billy Napier in Florida. His signature win was week one last year against Utah, and then it was an up-and-down year. It ended up really a disappointing year, especially when you've got Anthony Richardson, who was the number one, number four overall pick, will be starting in two Sundays for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I don't know what to expect, guys. You know, Florida's one of these teams, when you look at the schedule, they could be a surprise and go 9-3, and three, or they could be an absolutely implosion and be 3-9. and nine. So tonight's going to be fascinating. We'll get a little gauge on both teams, but I lean in Rice-Eccles, where Utah has won 25 of their last 26 home games, altitude game. I lean the Utes will win, but I've got a feeling it'll be tight. 
Yeah, Billy Napier, he's done a decent job since coming in from Louisiana, but hey, this ain't Louisiana. It's different than the SEC. It's different than the SEC. Let me ask you this, Lance. The Texas A&M Aggies, Bobby Petrino is now over there helping Jimbo call the plays. And with all that talent, everybody thinks they're the surprise team in the SEC and all of college football this year. But last year, just so much went wrong. You got rumors about dude smoking weed and this and that. Just Jimbo had way too many off the field issues and that's why their record looked how they did. How do you think they're gonna be this year and are they gonna be a force to be reckoned with? I think they are. And Zay, I'll tell you this, I have not been big. I wasn't big on the Jimbo hire. I was was shocked they gave him 10 10 uh, 10 years, 75 million guaranteed. Then they doubled down and they gave him the extension. It's one of the highest paid coaches in all of college football. And he has done absolutely nothing, in my opinion, to earn his money up until this point. I do think the Bobby Petrino hire was it was brilliant if, in fact, he lets Bobby Petrino have autonomy and call his plays. Uh, I am fascinated to see how good Wigman can be at quarterback because when you mention those weapons, Anias Williams is back. Um, I think Evan Stewart could end up being the best wide receiver in the SEC this year. Moose Muhammad's really good. I think they've got all of the parts around it. If he'll just let Petrino do his thing, I think Texas A&M is going to be a hard out. They get Alabama at home this year. We remember the last time they played in College Station. A&M pulled the upset. Uh, I I'm not going to be surprised. The SEC West this year, Alabama is expecting to bounce back. I just don't know what to expect at the quarterback position. Um, I love LSU this year. Their schedule is brutal, especially the month of September. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't be shocked, guys, if we saw like an 11 and 1, 10 and 2, three teams at the top of the West come down to a tiebreaker. So to answer your question and a long way to it, I think AM is going to be really, really dangerous this year. And I think this is the first year that. Maybe Jimbo Fisher earns uh, that money. Yeah, Connor Wegman, he sure looked good against LSU last year, Lance. You know, it's a small sample size, but I, I'm with you. I, I I think that kid finally, you know, I know everyone's like Kellen Mond. I'm like, Kellen Mond, good God. I mean, they got to be better than Kellen Mond. For yeah, that. but, you know, Kellen Mond was like a C-plus, B yeah. quarterback. You know, he wasn't. Was it a guy that was going to jump out? I mean, look, I don't know if they're ever going to have a Johnny Manziel again. Um, but I thought Mon was good enough for the right parts around him. And again, in 2020, abbreviated season, they did win 10 games. Uh, but Mon was good. He wasn't great. But I think if you get production Mon-like, maybe a little bit better, I think A&M is going to be in a really good spot. Yeah. Well, what about, I mean, your take on Dion in Colorado, because obviously it's the big noon kickoff and – you know, Colorado won one game last year. Dion flips the whole roster. TCU goes to the national championship game last year. Um, your thoughts on on that one? Well, look, I mean, they're they're a must watch now. Um, I think TCU will actually run them off the field Saturday morning. And you know, the, the, and I love prime time. I've loved prime time since the day. Well. I remember watching him call a shot against Clemson, returning a punt for Florida State. And then I remember the day uh, ESPN was covering him when he was about to be drafted and Detroit was on the clock. And he said, Detroit doesn't have enough money to put me on layaway. I've always loved the swag. Um, I, I think he's fantastic. Uh, the only problem with Dion now is I think he is overhyping this roster. I mean, full roster turnarounds when you're coming off a six or seven win, 
season, you can make some things happen. But, you know, the over-under on the win total right now is three and a half for Colorado in Vegas. And I would actually take the under. It's just going to take a little bit of time. You know, if I'm a Colorado fan, we talked about this a couple of days ago on our show. My expectation this year is just to be competitive and, you know, beat somebody you shouldn't and just to get better each and every week. And then next year, get bowl eligible. And then in year three, start competing maybe for, you know, a conference championship. And then if Dion's around in four or five years, then you start to talk college football playoff. But you got to be realistic. And I think Dion is overhyping this roster. He's putting a lot of pressure on his own kid, who I have yet to see play the quarterback position. I hear he's good. I haven't seen Travis Hunter play. You know, I hear this guy, he's already a first-team All-American, an all-purpose guy over a guy like Will Shipley, who's proven at this level. So, again, I think it's fascinating. Um, I'm pulling for Dion. I think it's great for college football that you've got this, uh, this type of sizzle. We've never seen a coach like this at this level hype a team up. And uh, have the personality of Deion Sanders, so he's he's a he's a must watch. But I have no expectation for this team. Yeah, Lance, I love Deion too. We can't hot step like he used to because he's missing a couple of toes now. But <laughs> he he's still right. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think man, I, he probably Zay probably can still outrun me. Um, but I would feel better about uh, about putting them up and uh, putting them down against Deion right now, missing those toes. Yeah, one of the fastest to ever do it. Yay, Lance, you know, Kirby Smart trying to three-peat, which we haven't seen in a very long time. And, hey, say what you want about Stetson Bennett. The dude might not went to class much. I mean, six years, still didn't graduate. That's an absolute joke. But, hey, he earned a spot on the Rams, and he was a dude for those guys. He might not have been a – Big time. I don't know if they're going to put him in the ring of honor or make a statue for him, but he won them two national championships. And now you've got Carson Beck coming in. Yes, he has a lot of upside, but they also had a lot of guys go to the NFL, especially on defense. Does Georgia deserve to be number one? And do you see them making the college football playoff? Yeah, I've got no problem with Georgia being number one. I mean, when you look at that regular season, Zay, they're going to be favored double digits in every single game. Now, look, they almost slipped up against a very average Missouri team last year, so you never know what's going to happen. And again, Carson Beck, as a full-time starter, the kid's got a lot of potential. Um, you know, Stetson had shaky moments at time, and then he got really, really comfortable. He got really confident. I never thought we would see that out of Stetson Bennett. But a lot of Georgia fans consider him one of the top three or four Georgia Bulldogs of all time just because of his ability, what he was able to do last year in the college football playoff. So I think immediately it's going to be a little bit of a downgrade once Carson gets comfortable and he's going to have plenty of time to get comfortable because that schedule is not dawning at all. Uh, it's just hard to believe a team could go undefeated in the regular season in the SEC in three consecutive years. They will find a loss somehow. With that said, they're still probably going to be 11-1, and one, and they'll have every opportunity to get back to a college football playoff. I think the SEC is really fascinating, though, because I think Kentucky with Devin Leary is going to be better this year. Um, if you get a consistent Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, we saw what they were able to do to Tennessee and Clemson at the end of the year. If Joe Milton is even close to Hendon Hooker, Josh Heupel is building something there. I already mentioned A&M, LSU, Alabama. Um it, it, it's getting more difficult for Georgia. So I do believe Georgia is going to be right there in the mix. There's a good chance they go undefeated in the regular season. Again, I'm just playing the odds that it's almost impossible to do in three consecutive years. But even though when they lose players, Kirby just restocks, man. I mean, 
They have so much talent. He has become the best recruiter in all of college football, and he learned it from the best, Nick Saban. Yeah, and speaking of Nick Saban, let's get your take on Alabama, Lance, because you're right there. You're in Birmingham. Um, you, you, Like I said, you had Saban on your show uh, last week. What, um, what's your take on Alabama um, in, in what to expect this season? Okay, so last year, two regular season losses for the first time since 2010. And that is just it, – it's mind-blowing for Alabama fans. And when you look back at those games, I mean, the defense played horrendous against Tennessee. They still lost on a final play. And there were some controversial calls in that game. Uh, they lose on a final play to LSU. So think about it. They were – it was deemed a very disappointing year, and they lost two games by a combined three points to two top ten teams. So Alabama's still right there in the mix. You know, the biggest question is quarterback. The offensive line is not played like the offensive lines that we remember from Alabama, you know, three, four, five years ago. They just hadn't been that physical. And we've got an NIL deal with Tyler Booker. He was a freshman All-American guard last year. And he, he said, just watch out. He said, it has been our number one priority. We want to show people how physical we are. We remember the days when people used to fear Alabama they didn't fear us last year. We're going to make sure they fear us again. So that's a, the, the big thing coming out. The big uh, mentality from this Alabama team is we're going to get physical. We're going to push people around. So we'll see. You know, I don't know how much we'll learn against Middle Tennessee State on the SEC Network at 630. Um, but we're going to know a lot week two against Texas. So I think the offensive line is going to be better. They've got five running backs that can play at 95% of the schools out there. The receivers are still a question mark. They, they just – you know, they went on that run, guys, where they had, you know, at one time, I'll never forget, I was watching Tim Hasselbeck break down the NFL on a Sunday morning on ESPN, and it was Mac Jones, his rookie year. And he was pointing out, he's like, I just realized they've got Jalen Waddle on the field. They've got Henry Ruggs. They've got Devontae Smith, and they've got Jerry Judy. They've got four first-round picks out here. No wonder Mac Jones wasn't this good. So, you know, those receivers just aren't there. They got lucky when they hit the portal two years ago with Jamison Williams. One of the reasons they played for the national championship, they had a major drop-off at the receiver position last year. And I just don't know if you've got one of those guys this year. So I think receivers a question mark, quarterbacks a question mark, running backs are going to be great, offensive line should be fine. Defense from everybody I've talked to is going to be lights out again. Special teams, uh, Will Reichert's coming back for his fourth year. James Burnup, uh, the Australian punter, he's had an incredible offseason. So Alabama's going to be airtight everywhere except the unknowns at quarterback and wide receiver. But what I hear is Tommy Reese, the the offense, you know, his stamp is going to be getting back to old school Alabama football and running the football and trying to punish people. So I think Alabama is going to be really good, but is the quarterback going to be good enough to get them over the SEC hump and ultimately into the college football playoff? Yeah. I mean, you look at, I mean, that means they're going to run the quarterback and, and I mean, Right. I mean, if, if they don't have the passing game, it means they're going to have to to make the quarterback a running threat. Well, and you know, they really didn't want Bryce. I mean, you look at Bryce's stature. We met him last year in Atlanta at the SEC media days. And I mean, dude, maybe they listen to like 180, maybe it was 180, maybe five, ten and a half. 
I mean, he was a small, small yeah. guy. And so I understand why they didn't want him out, him out there running around. Now, without him improvising, especially in that Texas game last year, Alabama doesn't win that game. But Jalen Milrow is a big physical guy. So Milrow will have packages. And he's one of those guys that will tuck it and run. We saw the long run. I think it was like a 76-yard run against Arkansas, which was ultimately the difference in that game, or at least it broke the game open. Uh, so I think there will be packages for him. Ty Simpson's a guy that can get around a little bit. Buckner's a little more limited, but he did show some athletic ability at Notre Dame. Uh, I don't know. I think it is going to be fascinating to see how good these quarterbacks are. And, again, we're not going to know anything until we get live bullets against Texas. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating because Texas thinks they can stop the run and they're loaded on the defensive line and they feel good about, you know, Jalen Ford, their middle linebacker. So this is going to be this is going to be fascinating because this this reminds me of 09. I mean, that national championship game when Texas had, you know, Henry Melton and Lamar Houston and Earl Thomas and all those dudes and Alabama was hammering them with Mark Ingram and and uh, Hightower and, and Greg McElroy. I mean, McElroy did enough, but I just feel like we're back in time. Yeah, look, and I'm not saying this, guys, but that moment, it was kind of the beginning of everything for Alabama football under Nick Saban. It exploded. And from that moment for Texas football, they haven't won a Big 12 championship since, and it went south. And it was almost like after Colt McCoy goes out of that game on the first drive, Everything has gone south for Texas football since. And you just wonder if there's a revival, if they're able to roll into Tuscaloosa and beat one of the mighty giants in Alabama, if people start to talk about Because I heard a little rumbling last year. I mean, you guys see where Alabama, they're all the way down to number four in the poll, um, you know, which, <laughs> which, which is laughable. But people are like, Nick Saban's lost his fastball. But if he loses at home this early in the season to Texas – I think the narrative is going to be watch out. Here comes Texas and watch out. Alabama's the decline is on. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, he signed that extension, so he ain't going nowhere. But <laughs> yeah. You know, last one for me, Lance. Um, is there any school in the nation that's not getting the high, maybe not ranked right now, but could definitely make some noise? We saw what Tulane did last year. You mentioned Spencer Rattler in South Carolina, maybe making some noise. They got a big test against Mac Brown in North Carolina this weekend. Is there anybody in the nation that's not getting enough love, but could make some noise in your opinion? Yeah, look, I, we're going to see them Saturday night, and they're right there in y'all state. Uh, and it was one of the best games last year, the Roadrunners of UTSA. They're heading to Houston. Uh, I love Houston's uniforms this week. I don't know if you guys have seen it. They're doing the uh, homage to the old Texas – or the old uh, Houston Oilers. You don't like them? Uh, yeah, they're trying. They're trying. I love I'm the color was... scheme. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, last year that game goes triple overtime. Houston pulls it out by two. No Clayton Toon this year. Frank Harris is coming back for his seventh year of college football. Boy, it's a new era in college football. But I think Jeff Trailer is one of the best coaches in all of college football. They've got 18 starters back. It's a dangerous game for them. But if they can get over this hump, I think they'll lose to Tennessee. They'll be competitive. But then I think it comes down to a one-game situation against Tulane. And if they win that game, I could see them be 11-1, and and they could be this year's Tulane. I don't think people are giving enough credit to the Roadrunners. Yeah, and and he could be coaching for the Houston job um, in that game, honestly. Um, 
Lance. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, or maybe the A&M job if things go to hell in, uh, in College Station. But, um, okay, what, tell us what, uh, what games have your attention there at, at Lance'sLock.com. Yeah, you know, uh, tonight, again, we got a free winner on UCF. I thought, uh, you know, John Reese Plumley, uh, that, that offense is going to be dynamic under Gus Malzahn. He'll find a way to lose four games, but tonight they will completely wipe out Kent State. I like UTSA. Um, I kind of like USC to bounce back against Nevada. You know, I'm an SC guy. They looked so bad defensively against San Jose State. And San Jose State averaged over seven yards a carry against this new – reinvigorated defense under Alex Grinch. He needs to get on their ass, and there needs to be that big difference we talk about from game one to game two, and I think there will be. It's a big number there, but I probably lay that. Um, and I like South Alabama at Tulane. You know, we're talking about Tulane, 12-2 and two last year, one of the best seasons in 100 years of football, but Kane Womack has got a little machine brewing, and that defense is really, really good. Sunbelt is a strong-ass conference and uh, watch out for South Alabama on the road. They almost beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl last year. Tulane's got their hands full, maybe looking ahead to Ole Miss le- next week. So watch out for that one. Yeah, yeah. Major Applewhite still running the offense there. He South, is. South Alabama, baby. Um, all right. So you got any early thoughts on – of course, we'll talk to you next week. Um, but you got any early thoughts on Texas, Alabama? I think it's a dangerous game for Alabama. I really do. I'm trying to decide if I'm going. I know you're coming in town. It's going to be hot as 10 hells in Tuscaloosa. Much like Austin, you guys are used to that. Um, I'm trying to figure it out. There's some really good games next weekend. We'll definitely hook up on Thursday and Friday, and I'll figure it out. Um, I lean Alabama at home just because so many people are hyping Texas, but it comes down to the quarterback position. If Alabama turns it over a couple of times, Texas wins the game. I mean, it's going to come down to ball protection, run the football, and play physical defense. And I think Alabama's going to be good. On the other side, Quinn Ewers looked great in that first half last year, but he showed some inconsistencies. I know he is all in. He's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. He seems really committed. I think the guy's got a huge upside. But, you know, on that stage, second game of the year on the road, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think it comes down to quarterback play. Easy to say. It comes down to turnover margin. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Lance, you're the best, man. Let's uh, let's do it again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Lance'sLock.com. Everybody jump on board. We're going to win for you. Zay, good to meet you on the fly. Look forward to this entire season. Likewise, my friend. Thank there you. he is. Lance Taylor. At See you guys. Lance Taylor on social media. Lance'sLock.com for the picks, baby. Um, he's going to win for you. That's what it's all about. Um, good stuff there with Lance. Oh, Zay. Man, there's a lot to chew on there. Um, I guess we should uh, should grab a, a little uh, mention for uh, for for the sponsors. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then we'll we'll sink our teeth into some of what what Lance had to say. I'll uh, I'll jump in here with uh, our man uh, Tom McKay and AV Consultations. I mean, the, you just heard it. The football season is here, so make sure that you are ready to go if you're thinking about upgrading to a big screen TV, then you just have one phone call to make. And that's 512-255-8678. And here's the beautiful thing. Tom and his crew bring everything to you from the free consultation to installation. Literally all you have to do is make that phone call. Don't, don't go buying TVs and 
trying to hang all that stuff yourself. They come in, they make it seamless. They'll put in surround sound, surveillance, uh, electronic shades, you name it. AV Consultations got you covered. Tom McKay, he's been doing it forever. He's been putting all the TVs and surround sound in all your favorite restaurants uh, in and around Central Texas. Let him do it for you. Just call 255-8678. He did it for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling you straight gospel from a personal, personal testimonial, uh, 255-8678. Go to avconsultations.com. That's right. All right, Zay. What, uh, what jumped off at you from Lance? Uh, well, about Alabama. Not only does Nick Saban have a three-man quarterback battle, but there's a freshman blue chipper that just on campus that's having great practices and stuff. So we got four guys that Pete Kwiatkowski might have to account for when it comes to the scouting report preparing for the Crimson Tide next week. That's insane. And even though everybody's still, you know, leaning towards uh, Milrow, you just never know if he has a bad performance with all those guys, you know, sniffing down his neck, Nick Saban, this dude benched Jalen Hurts in a national championship game for Tua. Like he'll bench you for middle Tennessee first game of the season, Texas next week. And we know there's been guys that have struggled against Texas in the past. that have been QB ones, Spencer Rattler and other guys have came in and won the game. And yes, that was a different, you know, time, but hey, it could happen easily. So Nick Saban, he won't be afraid to bench guys and just figure it out, even against Texas. Like, he, you know, I definitely could see multiple quarterbacks playing in that game. And now that they have four, that just makes the job even more difficult for Pete Kukowski and that whole defensive staff. So, yeah, man, that's one thing that stuck out for what Lance was dropping game on us uh, that past 30 minutes. You know, I think about – I think about that Arkansas game back in uh, in 21 when Texas went to Fayetteville and KJ Jefferson ran 10 times for 73 yards and just kept the chains moving. And Arkansas ended up running for 333 yards in that game. They averaged 7.1 per carry. And that, that, that's like, the fear KJ Jefferson only threw 19 passes in that game. He completed 14. Now he threw an interception. He didn't throw for a touchdown pass, but it didn't matter because Arkansas was running it down Texas's throat. And we're going to see how far this defense has come because um, I get the feeling Alabama is going to, you know, they like, like Lance said, they got five running backs who'd be starting anywhere in college football. And, you, you've got uh, Jalen Milrow who can make plays with his feet. Um, and, you know, KJ Jefferson can throw it. And he's, he's the man at Arkansas this year. I just, I just think that's the kind of game we're in for. in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. And we're going to see what this Texas defense is all about. We're going to see, you know, Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke who can set the edge. Or is this the game for Texas where we get that heavy package where it's Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton at the end positions with with Murphy and Sweat at the at the tackles to 
make sure that they got they got big, strong dudes to set the edge in the running game. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was preaching last week. Like, sometimes you're going to have to mix it up like that. We're in the era of positionless football. Like, if you go watch the NFL, you see Aaron Donald. He moves around everywhere on the line. And sometimes he drops back in coverage. And that dude, one of the best interior linemen of all time and guys like Chris Jones, like you got to mix it up. If you're Bo Davis and Pete Kwiatkowski, just to give that Crimson time team another look. And I want to see them, you know, I'm no, you don't want to show your hand, but if we saw that against rice this week, Hey, I'm good with that because we still don't know what these edge rushers are going to be. We know what Baron Sorrell is going to be, which what up pops hope you're listening. Like we know that dude, he's looking for double digit uh, sacks this season. We know that he's going to bring it, but everybody else is still unproven. When you think of Ethan Burke, yes, he has that big time background coming from Westlake and, you know, him being six, six, he has everything you want in a, good edge rusher but can he put it all together in his second season justice finkley same with him as athletic as i don't know what can he put it all together so this this edge rushing squad they could be on point you know we haven't seen it yet and if you're nick saban I'm attacking that side. I'm attacking those edge guys because I would like to avoid Vernon Broughton and Byron Murphy as much as possible, especially because the interior lineman for this Texas squad is so deep with Trevondre Sweat and Alfred Collins and you got Trill Carter coming off the bench and stuff like all these guys, they're all going to get reps, which is going to keep them fresh. So to avoid that, you're going to have to attack the sidelines and attack the edge and make these guys tackle. And now with the new rules where the clock keeps ticking after you get the first downs and stuff. Yeah. A lot of these schools are going to try to keep the ball out of the high powered offense of the Texas Longhorns with Quinn Ewers and Xavier Wordy and all these guys and run the football on the other side. That's how you keep those guys off the field. That's great game planning. And you don't think Nick Saban knows that. So he's going to use everything to his advantage and, yeah, if the horns aren't ready to hit starting this week against Rice, then we might see a very long game the following week in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah, no, this is uh, we're about to find out what what Texas is all about in that run defense because they're gonna get a full dose, and that's you know if if Alabama can run it, then it becomes okay. Can Texas outscore Alabama enough to where that running, you know, becomes a hindrance for Alabama that they can't keep up? And I mean, when was the last time an Alabama defense got like hit up and fell behind by two touchdowns? I mean, it's um, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me. It's fascinating because. Texas has to be able to run the football, and that's what I'm watching this week. I got to see, okay, let me see what Jonathan Brooks looks like. Let me see what this offensive line looks like when when DJ Campbell's in there at guard, when Cole Hudson's in there at guard. What, uh, where, where have they improved? How's Hayden Connor looking? Because, um, you know, last year in the, in the bowl game, whatever, the, the game plan was a pass first. The, the running game was non-existent, and that's – you're asking a lot if if you're going to put it all on the arm of Quinn Ewers and um, 
I, I think that scares Texas fans a little bit right now, just because we haven't seen what this new and improved offense with Quinn Ewers, a second year in this offense with guys like A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nair, uh, Jonte Cook, um, you know, Jordan Whittington, healthy Xavier Worthy, all that. J.T. Sanders, a year older and wiser in this offense. We know when Sarkeesian has weapons, he can light people up. He knows Nick Saban. He practiced against Nick Saban every day for two years uh, in 2019 and 2020 and was there as an analyst before that in 2016. So he knows Nick Saban's tendencies. He knows what Saban wants to do on defense, whether it's Kevin Steele as the defensive coordinator or, or what it's still Saban's defense. And, and so I, that's why I just can't stop thinking about this game. It's just so fascinating to me because it is, it's big time chess and we haven't seen Sarkeesian just go on the road in a big time, true road atmosphere and, and close the deal. Now, Again, that win at K-State for me last year was probably the best win of the Sarkeesian era uh, because it was a true road game. It was against the eventual Big 12 champion, um, and they, they got it done. But they got it done with Bijan Robinson carrying the ball 30 times and, and having a, a great game. I mean, he had a Bijan had a 36-yard touchdown run. He had a, what, a 76-yard run in that game. I mean, it um, – we got to see it. We got to see what Texas is bringing um, in that running back room. Yeah. And last season, it took too long for Sark to realize that Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, they have to be the uh, focal point when it came to the game plan and how you attack teams. I know other defenses are going to try to stop those two guys, but Hey, until you stop us, we're going to give it the ball to those guys, especially with the young offensive line last year. Now they're more of a veteran bunch coming in this year with all of them returning, including DJ Campbell. But, yeah, it took too long. It shouldn't have taken to that Baylor and Kansas game for Sark to realize that, hey, maybe Bijan should be the main guy in our offense. Like the Oklahoma State game, unacceptable. The TCU game, unacceptable. You lost both of those games. So, hey, maybe that made you realize now that, hey, you got to take what the defense gives you and you got to utilize all your best weapons because you didn't do that a lot in 2022. And that's what you mean, Chip, why you say these Texas fans have a right to be nervous, a right to be a little scared out here. Like, I get it. Because Sark, he go back and forth of showing you the genius and then the what the hell are you doing out here? And you want to see less of the not having Reggie Bush in the last game of the Rose Bowl when Texas won the championship. You want to see less of that and more of, okay, let's just give the ball to B. John Robinson 30-something times a game. Like you want to see more of that. And Jonathan Brooks, can he be that? We don't know yet. I think he can. C.J. Baxter, I think he can be that. It's just as uh, far as when can he be that, him being a freshman? When is, when is it going to click for him? You know, and you've been hearing all the good things. And don't forget Keelan Robinson. I know he's more of the gadget guy, but you're going to have to – 
keep the defense on their toes and run him in between the tackles some too. And we know what he brings all around from kick return to blocking kicks for Jeff Banks. Like we know what he brings to the special teams, but he's also had some pretty dynamic plays on the offensive side too. So putting guys in at the right times, calling the right plays, all that sounds, you know, obvious, but Hey, when you go against top tier coaches like a Nick Saban, those things could easily be accounted for on the other side for the Crimson Tide's favor. And Sark, you got to be willing to make adjustments to their adjustments. Can he do that in 2023, unlike he did in 2022? We will see. Yeah, yeah. And no Gary Patterson, you know, game planning for you um, this year against Alabama. You had him last year. And Gary Patterson told me he was spending 100 hours a week you know, studying opponents and putting game plans together. Like he was working as hard as he was as a head coach when he was calling the defense at TCU. So yeah, that, that's why he left. That's why he yeah. left. hundred hours yeah. a week. That's insane. Yeah. That's, that's just who he is. That's just how he, he ticks. So he couldn't, he couldn't not do that. Like he just, that's, he just was in his routine and you're right. That's why he's not doing it because I think his wife was like, Hey, hon, <laughs> they're paying you $150,000 to be a special assistant. And you're working as hard as you did as a head coach when you were making 5 million a year. Um, and, and you're living in Austin and I'm here with the dogs in, uh, in Fort Worth and you're, you know, coming back for like one day a week. And so you know, that's, that's, that's another factor you have to, you have to bring in. I mean, obviously Pete Kwiatkowski knows what he's doing. He, he was a defensive coordinator on a Washington team that went to the college football playoff. His defenses at Washington, you know, typically gave up less than 20 points per game, but it is, it is interesting. You know, Lance was just talking about USC's defense and, you know how much we griped about USC's defense last year? They gave up 29.2 points per game. TCU's defense gave up 29 points per game. And Texas couldn't move the ball against them. Couldn't score an offensive touchdown against TCU's defense. So that's where, you know, was that Sonny Dykes and his brilliance and his staff's brilliance or was it that maybe TCU had Texas's signals I mean I don't know what the hell was going on but it shouldn't have been that hard uh for Texas and that's that's where I want to see I mean if if Alabama is as good as Lance and everybody's saying on defense man this is going to be it's going to be a rock'em sock'em robots fighting a phone booth in, in Tuscaloosa a week from now. Um, but uh, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's grab another mention um, for our sponsors. Uh, Zay, you want to, you want to tell them about covert? Yeah. 
Yep, shout out to Covert Auto Group, Covert B Cave, Bucky and BK will be out there on Saturday doing a pregame show from 12 to 2, so go check those guys out. We will be out there all year long, and Covert, they have been around the greater Austin area for a 100 years. They've been committed to providing customers with the highest quality of new and pre-owned vehicles and it's 42 acres beautiful at the hill at b caves and they got state-of-the-art dealerships seven big time brands so you can mix it up and find exactly what you like buick gmc cadillac chrysler dodge jeep and ram they will hook you up with a beautiful new whip and we saw lance he was driving around you could be cool like lance driving in your covert B-Cave car, and if you want to go visit covertbcave.com for all the deals and exclusives, definitely do that and check that out, Covert Auto Group. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's big time. Lance is clean, man. You didn't, you didn't tell me that dude was that clean. I, I oh, haven't yeah. seen a picture of him, man. That dude, he was ready to go. Styling and profiling. The hair was right. The shades, man. And talk about multitasking, too. Like You heard him switching lanes and stuff like he that dude he's for real yeah so on his show that he does in uh in birmingham his two co-hosts call him rock star because he's he's (laughs) he's the young guy the young young buck on that show and uh lance man he is so locked in on on all things you know, football and SEC. I call him our SEC insider and prognosticator because of Lance'sLock.com. And the guy just eats, drinks, and sleeps. And I don't know when he sleeps, but um, he is, uh, he's on it. And I'll, I'll make uh, the chip shot today uh, a little bit about kind of a potpourri here because, um, you know, I'll start off since we're talking about Lance about what he said about Jeff trailer and the fact that he likes UTSA against Houston on, uh, on Saturday at 6 PM on FS one and, and Jeff trailer. And he thinks that UTSA could be this year's Tulane. Tulane ended up beating USC uh, in the bowl game last year, if you will remember. And I, and that's why I'm saying UTSA fans, I, I'm, I fear for you uh, because I think, I think Jeff trailer, if he has that kind of year, I think he's going to move on. And I think it's because of the age of NIL. I mean, he's, he's got to compete. He's tired of having his players, getting picked off by the bigger programs with, with bigger and better NIL. And he's done a great job of hanging on to, to some, Um, but he, he needs to be where the, where the resources are so that he can compete at the highest level. And that's, that's amazing. I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, Jeff trailer won three state championships in East Texas, some of the most competitive high school football you'll ever see when he was an assistant coach at Texas under Charlie strong, he was the one recruiting everybody. I mean, he was relentless. And even when Charlie was having staff turnover trailer was the guy who was coordinating all the the recruiting and, and, and 
you know, trying to hang on by fingernails. And, and then he goes to Arkansas. Well, he was at SMU um, with Chad Morris probably should have been given the head coaching job then, but they gave it to Sonny Dykes and Sonny did a good job. Jeff trailer went with Chad Morris to Arkansas. And then he finally gets the UTSA head coaching job and has turned them into a relevant football program. Remember they, they had, they did well under Frank Wilson, um, but they had Larry Coker. They didn't do anything like this with Larry Coker. Larry Coker won a national championship in Miami um, with, you know, Dennis Erickson's players, but um, it uh, look, Jeff trailer knows how to build a program. He knows what talent looks like. He knows, he knows X's and O's. And, and so it's just interesting to hear Lance who's in Birmingham, Alabama, not in the state of Texas talking about Jeff trailer and the fact that UTSA could be um, the, the big group of five uh, team this year. Uh, You know, obviously they got to go play Tennessee and uh, after they play Houston, but I'm telling you, Zay, I'm not saying this out of, just out of my backside that UTSA Houston game could have much bigger implications uh, than just who wins that game. I'm telling you, Tillman Fertitta, I call him the owner of university of Houston football, a super powerful booster down there who is not a very patient man (laughs) is, you know, and he had Tom Herman, he had major apple white, he dumped major apple white, um, I think he fell in love with with uh, Kendall Bryles, to be honest with you. And when Florida State hired Kendall Bryles away, it was like Tillman lost interest in Major. Major, he had two winning seasons and got fired at Houston. And, and then he goes and gets Dana. And now Dana helped. Dana was at a Power 5 program, West Virginia. And he comes to Houston and boom. Timing was right. Houston gets in to a power five program. Now I think Tillman feels like uh, maybe we've sort of hit the, the ceiling with, with Dana. Dana did have a 12 and two season a few years ago. Um, so anyway, just keep your eye on that because that may be there for trailer at the end of this year, if things go well, or maybe it's something else, but Trailer's going to be hard to keep in San Antonio. Um, and then, you know, when he's talking about um, USC and how they're, they gave up seven yards of carry to San Jose state last, mm. last week Mm-mm-mm. and, and gave up 29.2 points per game last year. And then you think TCU gave up 29 points per game on defense last year, man, you're sitting there going, how on earth did TCU get to the national championship game? Because um, Texas, I mean, Texas defensively was giving up, what, 21.6 points per game and and just couldn't, you know, couldn't uh, find a way to stop Texas Tech on fourth down and blah, 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 Oklahoma State, whatever. So, um it's it's fascinating. College football is a is a fascinating is a fascinating game. And um, and then to Steve Sarkeesian, um, 
Well, let me finish with this. Tonight, you've got Kent State in Central Florida at 6 o'clock on FS1. And I'm, I'm all about that game because I think Central Florida is a dangerous team. My Big 12 upset of the year is Central Florida beating K-State in Manhattan to open Big 12 play. Now, that could be the dumbest thing I've ever said. We'll, we'll see. But I like, I lo- I've always loved Gus Malzahn from an offensive standpoint, and I think he's got enough starters back on defense from a team that won, um, you know, what, nine games last year and has um, they have they won nine games last year and they have 15 starters back. So and, and John Rice Plumley has to stay healthy. There's no question about it. And he's a runner and he's not very big. So that's kind of a dangerous pick by me. But Florida, Utah, I'm all about that game. Because I want to see what on earth Billy Napier's got going with the Gators. And I'm I'm pissed that Cam Rising's not playing for Utah. We yeah. are gonna probably see Jaquindon Jackson, two former Longhorns, but Man, Cam Rising, what what a story. Because he got beat out by Sam Ellinger and uh and then went to Utah and he's been lighting it up. Yeah, Cam Rising, you know, tore that ACL in the Rose Bowl and yeah, hasn't really worked his way back yet, which you get, but Bryson Barnes, it's in his hands tonight up against the Florida Gators. So we'll see how it'll go. I mean, back-to-back Pac-12 champions in Utah, they still got a lot of dudes, really good offensive line for a couple of guys that will be drafted this upcoming season. And, yeah, it should be a very good game. Uh, Going back to what you were saying about Jeff Trailer and what he's done just – I mean, like you said the other day, when Frank Harris leaves, it seems like it's going to be his time to go too. And Frank Harris just been a star up there in San Antonio, over 9,300 yards, 74 passing touchdowns, over 1,800 yards rushing. I mean, our, you know, that dude's absolute star, 24 touchdowns with his legs. Like, I get why he wants to stay in San Antonio and coach that dude because that guy, he's an absolute stud. But, yeah, you're right, Chip. It's just very difficult to keep those players. I mean, even though you got guys like Frank Harris, the person that he was thrown to last year is off to Ole Miss, Zachary Franklin. So Lane Kiffin, he scooped him up, and now you're losing the guy that had 15 touchdowns last season in 2022. So that that's, that's brutal for a coach that's trying to build something. Like when you develop guys and then – they get developed and they go off to a place where they think the grass is greener on the other side, that has to be deflated. And that's a big reason why if I feel you on, if X's and M mucks up, if Houston mucks up, then, Hey, that phone's going to be lighting up for Jeff trailer. Like it should. And Houston, you know, coming into the big 12, like you talk about their big time booster getting a little salty that the football team's not doing well. You think that the basketball team having success makes the football team look good. No, not at all. Like, you know, there's not many basketball schools here in Texas, even though the Big 12 has been really good in basketball. Like everybody knows Kansas is the top dog there. So when it comes to Texas, football is king and basketball, I wouldn't say as an afterthought, but 
when that when football season's over, that's when people start paying attention. And Kelvin Sampson, the success that he's having getting to those final fours and stuff, like that doesn't make your job look good, Data. And I asked him about that on Big 12 Media Day, like, hey, what's it like? seeing Kelvin Sampson, seeing this basketball team have success. And he kind of threw a shot and said, well, he's been there a very long time. It was, it was, he didn't think it was a shot, but I thought it was a shot. He said, well, Kelvin Sampson, he's had time to build his program and that's what you get. Like we, we haven't had that time that he has. So that's why you don't see that same success. And again, it's football. You don't get as much time. Sorry, Dana. It's just the way the ball bounces. That's just the way it goes, my friend. So, yeah, I don't like the jerseys, Chip. I don't know if you see them. They're trying to pay homage to the Houston Oilers. Nah, I don't like them. That's just, nah. I didn't like the Tennessee Titans trying to pay homage to the Oilers. Like, y'all were barely even the Oilers, Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a Houston thing that y'all stole and then brought up to Nashville. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not big on the colors and stuff like that. It's cool. They're trying, but, yeah, they're going to need more than just pretty jerseys to, you know, display on the gridiron. And if they could do a little something, something then who knows what will happen for U of H. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's – yeah, that reminds me. Tom Penders always used to say, man – if football had a bad season, man, I knew basketball needed to have a good season. If if football had a good season, didn't really matter what we did. Yep. <laughs> but let me – the other little thing that Lance threw at us was the South Alabama nugget. And that's where Major Applewhite is the offensive coordinator. And, you know, Kane Womack is doing a great job. That was a 10-3 and South Alabama team last year. And they got nine starters back on offense and nine starters back on defense. And they play at Oklahoma State um, in week three. And I've put the Cowboys on upset alert in that game. And it's it's so funny because I was texting with with Major and he's like, oh, you know, you're you're crazy. And, you know, he's always Lou Holtz in it. Um, but watch out. South Alabama going into Stillwater. That's a game you got to watch to see how good Oklahoma State is this year because that South Alabama team believes and they're they're well coached and and they like like Lance said, I mean, they almost beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl, or excuse me, the house that Vince Young rents to UCLA. <laughs> Um, the Rose Bowl and and so just put that in your in your back pocket September 16th South Alabama at Oklahoma State let's uh, let's see what happens there um, all right Zay let me uh, let me let me do a quick little mention here about my man Dr. Eckert Dr. Eckert I mean this is this is Austin's dentist um, Greg Eckert for years, he's been providing, uh, patients with, uh, all kinds of dentistry, general dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, athletic dentistry, and, uh, and they do it all. And they want to give you the smile that is, you know, that you've always wanted. And so whether it's just teeth cleaning or you need some, some work to make sure that you've got the, uh, the smile that, that you've always wanted, just give Dr. Eckert a call at 512 345 
3166 or uh, or check them out at Dr. Eckert, Dr. D-R-U-E-C-K-E-R-T.com. And, uh, and Dr. Eckert is also doing amazing things with Brain Vault, the patented mouth guard that has uh, been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. So if you're uh, anyone who's associated with football uh, in and around Austin, a, a coach, a, a parent, a grandparent, then, um, you know, you want to make sure that your your player is as safe as, as possible. Uh, check out brainvault.com and schedule a fitting. All right, my man, Zay, 10 and 5. You got a Zay. Yeah, man. Yeah, let's get, let's get into a little bit of NFL talk. You know, my draft is coming up on Sunday, opening night, starts next week. You're the week first pick the in the draft. I know, man. I'm still going back and forth from Justin Jefferson and Christian McCaffrey. I have no idea which one I want more. It's a PPR league, so the wide receivers, they count a lot. But there's not too many running backs in the NFL that get serious run. And now it's, you know, there's no bell cow guy anymore. So you got to be careful on how you take running backs. But, yeah, that time is here, too. Not only college football, but the NFL. That's why this makes this one of the best times of the year. And NFL Network's Peter Schrager, he dropped a top 10 list of his most top 10 breakout players coming into the 2023 season. So a lot of these guys are rookies coming into year two, a couple in year three, you know, guys that could maybe take off in his eyes. And we're just going to go through them to see if you agree with Peter or not. So starting at 10, one of the guys that I think might have to move up, but a lot depends on his quarterback, Jahan Dotson. Wide receiver, Washington Commanders, coming into his second year, had a solid rookie campaign coming out of Penn State. But, you know, when under that ownership that they had, now they got Magic Johnson and those guys in there, and there's just a new atmosphere up there in the D.C. area. And Sam Howe, he's the guy for Ron Rivera. So Terry McLaurin on the other side, I think he's an underrated star in the league at – from coming from Ohio State and Jahan Dotson, I think he's one of those guys too. I think that's a solid duo, one of the most underrated duos in the league. But Jahan Dotson, he has a little bit of giddy up. And yeah, if Sam Howe could get those guys the ball, then they could have a surprising season up there in DC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's see. I, I you know, I'm a I'm a um I'm a buyer of Rivera. Um, man, they got to get some dudes healthy on that defensive line. Um, you know, cause I'm the Ohio state dude's name is, is, uh, is blanking. Um, but that dude, uh, chase, I mean, the guy oh, chase, young. Chase, chase young, young, he's so, yeah. he's so talented, but he's, I, every time I see him, he's on the sideline. That's it. Like he tore his ACL and he hasn't been the same since he had a solid rookie campaign, but yeah, ever since he tore his ACL, he just hasn't panned out. Like you thought he was going to be in that very high pick uh, during his draft. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I, I look at it and I say, um, you know, 
I, I love Jahan Dotson. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. I think I think I think that pick is right on the on the money. And I know you're you're moving down the list. I've got a I got a couple of uh, of thoughts, as I know. All right. You're you're approaching a couple of names here. Yeah, let's get it. Yeah, absolutely. Peter had at nine Tony Adams, safeties for the Jets in his second year coming in out of Illinois and a very, very good New York Jets defense, which is a big reason why Aaron Rodgers was, you know, when he was looking at the Jets, he said, okay, they got a lot that I could be around a lot of talent on both sides and almost at every position from secondary to the linebackers to the line you think about Quentin Williams coming from Alabama that dude's a star and he just got paid I know you see him on hard knocks talking about how Mike Evans been clowning him about his weight and stuff like he's a goofy dude but yeah Nick Saban definitely got him right during his tenure for Alabama and then CJ Mosley the linebacker, one of the best linebackers in the league, you know, as their leader, you always hear him in hard knocks, you know, talking to guys and holding guys accountable and being that leader. He's a star. And then Sauce Gardner, like probably the best cornerback in the league, definitely was last year, all pro coming into his second season. So somebody like Tony Adams, who's a very hard hitter, you got to be excited if you're Robert Sala and if you're a New York Jets fan. Because, again, Zay. Aaron Rodgers getting there, those guys – they could be special. I think I think the Jets could go to the Super Bowl. I mean, oh. They they I mean the way that the way that Rodgers is throwing it to Garrett Wilson, I feel like he's throwing it to Devontae Adams. They even wear the same number. And then you yeah. you've got you got Brees Hall, you've got Delvin Cook, you got Michael Carter. I mean, you got dudes in that running back room. The offensive line looks like it can hold up. You know, CJ Uzoma at tight end. I mean, and then that defense you just described. Um, and the fact that, you know, Tony Adams is is in that secondary and Traeger thinks he's gonna be a monster, and you got Sauce Gardner back there. I mean, man, the Jets, you gotta watch out. That team looks like yeah. it could get it to put it all together. Yeah, and, you know, Brees Hall, who knows when he'll be able to come back and be 100%, but when you got Dalvin Cook, like, hey, he's had injury problems as of late. You don't feel as bad with both of those guys. Both of those guys, man, they could really do their thing. And, yeah, shout out to Sal. Take Jefferson, Zay. Can't trust Christian to stay healthy. See, that's what I'm leaning, Sal. That's what I'm leaning, but – Man, there's just not too many running backs out there. And when you have the first pick, that's like I'm in a 10-person league. So we got probably 19 more picks until I go again and I go back to back. All the running backs might get scooped up by then. So I got to be very careful. I can finesse me some wide receivers out there. There's a whole bunch of them that are going to get a lot of play. Like you mentioned, Garrett Wilson, you know, him and Aaron Rodgers, the chemistry they're going to have. Alan Lazard coming from Green Bay. I think he hasn't even seen the, you know, top of the pedestal that he could be at. McCall Hardman, which, uh, excuse me, McCall Hardman, like that dude, you go from Patrick Mahomes to Aaron Rodgers, 
Like, come on, man. The NFL is not usually like that. Usually you get to a dud or two and, hey, it, you struggle with that. Like, that dude has it made. He's won, you know, a couple of Super Bowls, and now he gets to play with Aaron Rodgers. That's good living to me. So I'm right there with you, Chip, even though the AFC East is an absolute gauntlet. And if you're talking about the worst team being the Bill Belichick coach team, like that says a lot about that conference. But, yeah, if a lot, if everything goes right for the Jets, I could easily see them playing in that early part of February. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the name that jumps off on that, that list at number six, Jalen yeah. Petrie. Jalen Petrie, yeah, the Baylor so, Bear. Number six on Schrager's, you know, top ten breakout players for the 2023 season, Jalen Petrie with the Texans. I love that dude, man. I mean, that dude, that's, that's the reason Dave Aranda and Baylor, that defense took such a step back because they didn't have Jalen Petrie anymore. I mean, Dylan Doyle was nice too. And Stiaka Ika, but Jalen Petrie, that dude was everywhere at Baylor and he, he stood out last year. I mean, they're already treating him like a, like a bona fide star in Houston and they should cause man, he's big time. He's big time. Yeah. Yeah. I know D'Amico Ryan's that's the type of guy that he loves. Like that's a big reason why he took that job guys like that. And if you can bring Derek Stingley jr, the number three overall pick last year from LSU, which I know a lot of Texas fans are kind of kicking themselves. Like how did we not choose sauce Gardner over Stingley jr? But Hey, that's just how it is. Sometimes I think if Stingley jr gets healthy, then he could be that star that everybody thought he was coming out of Baton Rouge, but yeah, man, I'm with you, Chip. Like, Petrie, that dude is a star, and the way that Aranda had him on that Bears team a few years ago, like, he lined up everywhere. He matched up with anyone. You would see him in the backfield all the time. You see him get pegs, deflect, you know, balls, and he does that in the NFL. Like, I know a lot of people didn't watch the Texans last year because they were one of the worst teams in the league, but one of the upsides was Petrie. And it's weird. Safety doesn't get the love that it once did. You know, I, I think safety should get way more love because you've got to have a good one. And D'Amico Ryan's last year as a defensive coordinator for the 49ers, he had one in first team all pro Hufunga. And now he has a all pro in the making and Jalen Petrie. So yeah, I think he's going to take another step this season. And with a defensive minded coach like a D'Amico Ryan's coming in, he's only going to make guys like that better. So like, obviously – I think he's a young Troy Polamalu. Yeah. He has I mean, a lot of that in him. I mean, he has a lot of that in him. He's just a lot so of Brian Dawkins, guy yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love watching him play. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, I'm, well, that, I for Texas, fans, they're hoping Jalen Catalan will be like Jalen Petrie. For real. And since you can't hit nobody no more, you can't do those, you know, right when the ball hits your hands, take those haymaker blows. Like, I, I don't think the safety spot gets enough credit. But guys like Jalen Petrie, yeah, he pays homage to those Polamalu and Brian Dawkins and Ed Reed guys that didn't give a damn about their body. They were just, hey, if you throw it in my area, then 
whoever is going to be catching that ball or trying to catch that ball, they're going to have a price to pay. And Jalen Petrie, he's one of those dudes. So, yeah, they, you know, you bring in uh, Will Anderson, like Texans, they've done some very good things in the draft. It just, at the end of the day, it always depends on the quarterback at any level. And if C.J. Stroud can figure it out sooner than later, then we'll see the Texans making some noise in that AFC South. Look at this. Are you kidding me? The league I'm in, this is Sal. The league I'm in is called Kickers Are People Too. It's mandatory to draft a kicker in the first round. <laughs> what is going on? Yo, Sal, I hope you're in more leagues than that, my friend, because yeah, that's, that's some bogus stuff right there. That's a killer. Okay, so the the guy that uh, – in on Schrager's list that has me super intrigued is the third, you know, breakout player, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama and Georgia tech. Jameer Gibbs, Texas fans saw him up close last year playing at Alabama and my lions drafted him instead of Jalen Carter. And so I was like, what, how could you not draft Jalen Carter? What are you doing? And everybody loves Jameer Gibbs. Now, I don't know, Zay. Where, where are you doing mock drafts? Are you seeing where Jameer Gibbs is going in these mock drafts? Because I'm, I'm looking at this. Oh, but yeah, I haven't seen much. Uh, you know, the the Lions, they're gambling. They really are. I mean, Bijan Robinson's one thing to get him that high at number eight for Atlanta, but. Yeah, I mean, like you look that, at that. Or, I mean, at twelve. Excuse me. Like that's wild. So they're they're at a win now in Detroit, and they got rid of Swift. He's now in Philly, and they got rid of uh, Williams, who's now in New Orleans. So their backfield that they've had to where they made a lot of noise last year is gone, and now you're putting a lot of eggs in the basket of a guy who has a lot of upside, but it's he's a rookie. You know, so yeah. Dan Campbell, they got, they got David Montgomery from Chicago. Okay, that's not bad. And and Jameer Gibbs. So, yeah, so M- Montgomery's not bad. I don't think he's lived up to what you know he was supposed to be. Had some good games in Chicago, but you know, he still has a lot more to prove. But yeah, Williams was a touchdown machine last year. I think he led the league in rushing touchdowns. So, you're yeah. not. That, that's going to be tough to replace whether as good as Jameer Gibbs is like that's still going to be tough to replace and Jared Goff he looked like the former number one pick last year <laughs> like he, he looked like okay that's why you went number one coming out of Cal Berkeley like we know you went to a Super Bowl and stuff with McVay but they completely gave up on him which isn't all his fault like they didn't know Todd Gurley was going to retire like in six years and he would be beat up to where he would be worthless and they would have to ship him off to Atlanta. Like they had no idea that was going to happen. And, you know, if Todd Gurley would have had a couple of more years left, and I think Jared Goff probably would have stayed, but Hey, it worked out for them getting Matt Stafford and winning the Super Bowl, going all in. And yeah, Jared Goff, I think he has that chip on his shoulder. You know, when things like that happen to you, 
and the team gets better without you, yet alone wins a Super Bowl without you. Like, he's a competitor. He might have that Disney-looking face, but that dude has a fire under him. That dude, you know, he's tougher than you think. And I, I think the Lions, I get why a lot of people are picking them to win the NFC North. Yeah. I, I really do. I hope. I hope. Dan Campbell, yeah. come on. Come on, Dan. All right, so are the guys you're in this fantasy league with, are they watching? Are they listening to the show? Like, A couple of them are, yeah. Okay, so I can't ask you about your uh, – I'll have to talk to you off air about, you know, what your no, strategy, your strategery is. No, you go ahead and ask me because I can switch it up at any time. Okay, Who all knows? right. They know not to trust me. Because, like, where's Travis Kelsey – on your list because to me that dude he is guaranteed production yeah he's a first or second round pick in our league and the way our league is set up quarterbacks get the most points just because they do the most so they get a chance to you know quarterback makes a lot of sense but you need to still get running backs early just because there aren't many you know, all you start one quarterback, you got about two or three running backs, depending on how many flex you got. But yeah, Travis Kelsey, uh, when is he ever going to lose a step? Because now he's about to be 34 years old. Like usually guys, the clock starts to tick, but all of the best tight ends to ever do it, they always have longevity careers. The Tony Gonzalez's, the Antonio Gates, you know, Rob Gronkowski might be the only one. And he even came back with Tampa Bay and got his ring there. So, you know, I don't know. It's just something about tight ends that they can last a little bit longer, even though they got to do both block and play a wide receiver. And yeah, it doesn't get much better than Travis Kelsey. I know George Kittle does his thing, but the chemistry that Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Kelsey all have, uh, I don't know too many, <laughs> too many guys that have done it like that at those three positions. So, the running backs at the top of the draft, like the mock drafts, Christian McCaffrey, like Josh Jacobs, Saquon, like Derrick Henry doesn't catch the ball that much. So even though he's been a points machine, I mean, yeah. in that, yeah, like who are the top running backs? Um, Bijan Robinson, one of the top ones this year. I mean, we know they got Tyler uh, Algier, uh, yep. but yeah, Bijan Robinson, we expect him. Everybody's picking him to win rookie of the year. Arthur Smith, we know he loves to use his running backs. Like, I expect him to go very early. Uh, Tony Pollard, with him being the number one guy now, I know he's coming off that injury, but hey, Zeke, gone. So you're the man now. And Deuce Vaughn, he still has a lot to prove. So, yeah, Mike McCarthy, he's going to use um, Tony Pollard a lot this season. And Saquon, obviously. Josh Jacobs, he just got a new number in Vegas. So, you know, 
guess he's getting the money that he thinks he deserves. And he was the best running back last year. So it's weird to see, you know, guys like Bijan and Saquon all in front of them. But yeah, in my league, the wide receivers, man, they could really do some damage. Think of Cooper Cup. I think he's going to have a bounce back year. I don't think he gets the love that he deserves. Uh, Tyreek Hills talking about going over 2,000 yards this season. And if Tua's throwing them the ball all year, that ain't too far out. And, you know, that, that's not too far out at all, especially with somebody that dynamic because Jalen Waddle on that other side, I had him last year. That dude got me to the championship game or helped me get to the championship game. It's hard to guard those Miami Dolphins. And, yeah, it just you, – you never know. Injuries are always a problem. They're going to happen to somebody, one of these top guys. Somebody gets hurt almost every season. But, yeah, it's going to be another very intense, very fun year in the NFL and there's going to be a lot of teams that I think make some noise that we haven't seen in recent years yeah I mean you got like I'm looking at this like these PPR fantasy rankings Justin Jefferson number one Jamar Chase two McCaffrey three Cooper Cup four Tyreek Hill five Kelsey six Austin Eckler seven I mean it's uh my man, Amon Ra St. Brown is in the top 10. Yeah, Let's that's big. Go. Let's that's big. go. Yeah, I know John is proud of that. Oh, man. That's uh, – well, man, I'm uh, I'm going to be interested to hear how that goes for you. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let y'all know on Monday. On Monday, I'll break down my team, and y'all can judge if I did all right or not. Yeah, man. You know. But put yourself out there. 10 and 5. 10 and 5, baby. Look at this. This uh so CB says, remember in 2010, Chip in the Rice game in Houston, Texas won, but everyone came away thinking Texas is in trouble. So this is my rice story in 2010. Remember Alonzo Highsmith? Lonzo Highsmith, running back, Miami Hurricanes, played for the Houston Oilers, and then became a scout for the Green Bay Packers, and then was um, ultimately was up in their front office. But he was a scout for the Packers, and he was at that game. And I'd gotten to know Alonzo when I was covering the um, covering the NFL, and you know I had him on the radio, and um, especially like when that Miami Hurricanes 30 for 30 came out, got him on the radio and I saw him in the press box. And this was the year I think they had Cody Johnson playing tailback. And remember they had just lost to Alabama and Mac lost his mind and changed the offense from a spread to a power running attack. They had first and goal from the one and they couldn't get it in. And Alonzo Highsmith walks by me and goes, this ain't going to work. And I was like, yeah, and five and seven in three. Ugh. So, yeah, that, that there, there've been a couple of bad rice experiences. I don't think this is going to be one of them. Um, 94, Texas <laughs> went down to rice and lost. And that was because John Makovic suspended, um, you know, Lavelle Pinckney and Mike Adams and, there were other dudes that were out that broke curfew who were white, who didn't get caught. And so the locker room split right down racial lines. And it was, 
like John Makovic was like, uh oh, and yeah. he, he basically had to like come come correct with the locker room, but he didn't do it until after they'd lost to Rice for the first time since like Jesus was a boy, and it was a disaster, and uh, yeah, so those are the those are the horrible worst case scenario rice experiences. I think this one Saturday at two 30 is going to be just fine. If Texas doesn't yeah. cover the 35, I'll be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely should cover. And yeah, we need to stop give busting bucks balls. It was not his fault that they <laughs> lost that rice game. He was the running back coach. He was not the head coach. He wasn't a part of all that, you know, divide that was going on in the locker room if anything but was trying to bring everybody together so jay war you wrong for that my friend but yeah i don't think we're gonna see any of that either chip i think this horns team they're so eager to get out on that field they're so eager to prove to everybody including guys like brett yormark that y'all aren't gonna phase what we want to do. Y'all aren't going to get in the way of what we're trying to accomplish, and that's snatching, taking, stealing, in Brett Yormark's eyes, the Big 12 title away from everybody in the conference, and it starts this weekend, you know? And like I said yesterday, it's all about sending the message. Like, it's 35 for the, uh, 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 in Vegas for a reason. Like... You want to cover that and then some. You need to show your dominance. You need to show that, hey, when you go into Tuscaloosa, they're not playing against that same Texas team that even though last year was an absolute battle that they saw in 2022. So, yeah, man, I'm too excited. Like, it's getting closer and closer, two days away. I know people have been saying we're Chris Sims days away, which, you know, Chris Sims has a great record, but, you know, I'll choose some other quarterbacks or some other players that rock number two besides uh, CS up there coming from that New York area. But, yeah, man, this is that time of the year. and Well, tomorrow we're Xavier Worthy days away. That's true. And today – Steve Sarkeesian said that Xavier Worthy said everyone's been talking about the progress of Quinn Ewers and the maturity of Quinn Ewers. He's like, Xavier Worthy is right up there with Ewers in terms of, you know, the way he's matured, developed. Um, He said, he said, uh, Xavier is enjoying being a Texas Longhorn, enjoying his teammates, helping the young players. Now he's a veteran. And look, I think this could be an unbelievable year for, for Xavier Worthy uh, with the defense having to cover the whole field and all these different weapons. So let's let's see it. I do want to see Jordan Whittington get some more uh, touches, especially in the, you know, when you need a, a third down catch. You need to throw it to a guy who's going over the middle. Um, Jordan Whittington, baby, let's go. And yeah, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on Xavier Wordy. That dude, I think last year it was brutal for him. Twitter, the media, 
the hand injury, the drops, the just, you know, not looking like what he did his freshman year, even though the last two seasons having over 20 something touchdowns, like that dude's definitely performed, but that's the expectation that he has. And I know a lot of the Texas fans, even though they were the ones giving them all that crap in the media, Twitter and stuff, they were nervous in the off season. Because Sark said he's happy to be a Texas Longhorn. You see how he said that? Because a lot of people thought he was up going back home to USC, going back home to California, you know, Frisco kid. Why wouldn't he want to do that? If y'all going to bash me down here, I don't need this. You know, like the, the year, uh, the era of NIL and the transfer portal, like why would I deal with these problems. Why would I, this is hurting my mental health. Mental health's a real thing. It's a serious thing. And if that's affecting him, which he talked about, he let it affect him a little bit last year. Why would you stick around? But that shows how much he believes in Sark. That shows how much he believes in Quinn Ewers, this coaching staff and this university that he said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be a part of this pro, uh, process. I'm going to be a part of something that could be special and turning the whole stigma around Texas football and get it back to where it was during the Mac Brown era in the early and middle 2000s. So, yeah, man, I appreciate what X is doing. And I see him at the co-op. He's on the signs and stuff like that. Again, that NIL love and changes number eight to one. Now it's just time to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, before we sign off, um, you know, love to the sponsors, um, Allstat Brewery, Centex Tickets, 7-Eleven, Relax the Back, um, Last Stand Hats, Top Gun, uh, Reynolds and Lawn Equipment, and, uh, and really excited about the announcement today here on Texas Sports Unfiltered, our man, Hardball Harge, hanging with Harge, is going to start on Monday from 11 to noon. So, yeah, fire shout up. out to Wood. Yeah, shout out to Woods ACN Repair, Cover Auto Group, AV Consultations, and congratulations to Harge, man. Our team just getting stronger here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. Subscribe, get the app, you know, like our videos. We appreciate everybody for rocking with us. And yeah, just two more days away until Texas kicks it off with rice, man. It's been a fun ride so far, but we got plenty more in store. Yeah, and this uh, last, we'll end it on this. Someone asked, uh, have you figured out who your QB two is? And Sark said, we'll see on Saturday. So Zay, he's, he's playing along. I mean, he's milking this thing and um, I'm, I'm just saying, be careful, be careful here. Like don't give Malik Murphy a reason to check out, but uh, look, you gotta, the players always know the locker room always knows. Um, and that's, that's the only time it, a coach gets in trouble is if he's trying to force something that the locker room is not ready for. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see for ourselves. We should be able to see both uh, Malik Murphy and Arch Manning on Saturday. But before that, we'll be back tomorrow to get you right before we get into game day. So get your tailgate on, kids, because uh, we're coming tomorrow. Uh, make sure you're locked in at Texas Sports Unfiltered starting at 8 in the morning and uh, with with Bucky and BK, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Cool. Peace.